Welcome back into the Rounding Third Podcast. I'm Nick. We have Harrison with us. How are we doing, buddy? Good. How are we doing, Nick? I'm sorry to miss you guys last week, but you had some uh, you were really good pinch hit guests there in, uh, in Morgan and Doug, so it was a good show. Yeah, it was uh, it was fun to do it with them, get a little different baseball perspective, and to listen to like Doug's trip to Japan and stuff too. That was pretty yeah. cool. I thought the Japan um, talk was cool, and being able to see the uh, that young guy, you know, the next big name coming out of uh, Japan. Yeah, in about three years, it's crazy. Yeah, but, oh, the next Yoshida. Um, you're right. Uh, Sean might pop in. He's being an adult and doing adult things supposedly so this is weird this whole this whole sean adulting thing is is hard on me right i mean it was my turn last month so i guess it's i guess it's his turn now so yeah yeah but this whole adulting thing is overrated yeah but uh yeah so we got some interesting stuff to talk about tonight uh we'll get into it but first make sure you follow and like us on facebook you can uh, subscribe on youtube you can also listen on spotify and apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. Okay, leading off, we know that the big uh, the big boxing fight was uh, Saturday. But fight night in Cleveland. It was, but, you know, the, the pre-card, the, the pre-fights before the big fight was Anderson versus Ramirez. <laughs> I mean, let's just, uh... this is, it starts off with game one, there's a, I can't remember who slides into second base. It's like Rokio. It's the young guy. I can't think yeah, of it. Yeah. Yep. So Tim Anderson swipe tags and kind of pushes his hand off second base. And everybody's like, oh, well, they're still going to rule him safe because Anderson, you know, moved his hand off the base. The play comes back and the umps ruled him out, which. And Terry Francona lost his mind. Bl- yeah, that one blows my mind. I thought if anybody was going to throw punches the next night, it was going to be Francona. He's had a rough go with the umpires lately. Yeah, absolutely. And you don't see Tito hot under the collar very much. but No, no, he's not the kind of manager. He's not Aaron Boone who's out there picking a fight every night. Like, yeah. Francona only comes out when there's a beef to be had. And my goodness. So then Jose Ramirez gets up in games to, game two, laces a double down the first baseline. He slides head first in the second. I mean, clean play. Anderson brings the tag down um, and just kind of stands there straddling over Ramirez. Ramirez kind of took offense to it. Um, well, and Ramirez kind of like reached his hand up like, hey, help me up if you're going to stand there. And Anderson kind of blew him off. Yeah. And he gets up and Ramirez <laughs> says something and Anderson just drops the gloves and says, let's go. Let's get on it. <laughs> the poor umpire like all of a sudden goes, scr- he's trying to keep him apart. And then he like yeah. scrambles out of there to let him yeah. start throwing punches. Like, dude. So Anderson gives him like Ramirez a little body shot and Ramirez just comes with a right hook and just demolishes Tim Anderson. And he goes down and the call of the century was from the announce, the guardians announcer. He goes, down goes Anderson. Down goes Anderson. I mean, so good. And then you're seeing like all these clips come out this week and Anderson's legit staggering to the dugout. Like he's woozy. Like big time. Ramirez caught him good. He did. And, um, and Anderson lost some credibility for apparently having a glass jaw because he dropped fast and he dropped hard one shot. Ramirez swung twice. I think he swung with his left and yeah, then missed. caught him with the right. And then that was it. And I was like, caught him with the dang. right, like right up, like just the, like the, the cheek kind of area. And yeah. completely, you just saw Anderson fold like a cheap piece of lawn furniture. <laughs> Man, that was, that was crazy. Um, and then now, like today, 
news has just completely come out about this Chicago White Sox, White Sox team. Um, we have talked about them the last couple of years just because of like Larusa falling asleep on the bench in the first inning, and like apparently falling asleep was a the thing they all do. Yeah, and there's reports saying that the rookies are literally sleeping in the bullpen in Chicago during the game. Yep. Um, there was a report coming out. I think Tim Anderson, which we don't know how reliable this source is. <laughs> apparently, he's not reliable. He may still have been concussed. Who knows? Yeah. But yes, Monty Grandal asked for the day off before the All Star break, um, and asked to leave the clubhouse early. And Tim Anderson said something like, "Don't bother coming back," or or yeah. something. You to want out of here so bad, I'll buy your ticket for you. That's what it was. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and the report was that Grandal went over and just smacked him in the face while Anderson was getting treatment. Um, again, don't know how much validity. I'm not in that locker room. I don't know. But it sounds like from the reports from Kenyon Middleton, who has come out after being, you know, to the New York Yankees, he's come out and said, yeah, the locker room's trash. It's really bad in there. Um, yeah, players it, show up when they want to. They skip fielding practice. They, yeah. If they don't want to, they skip BP. Like, you know, he made it seem like the inmates are kind of running the asylum. The players come and go as they please. There are no rules. There is no culture. And it's just 26 guys doing whatever the hell they want um, with no real direction. Which we talked about it last year towards the end of the season. Like this is not a this was not like a Tony Larusa problem or a front office problem. This is like this is a organizational cultural problem. Like that that organization has some serious problems. They have some serious troubles, and this is not just one person. You know, you bring in a new manager, it's the same crap because that that organization, that team, that culture is broken. Yeah, and, something and, wrong. And who do you bring in for? a like, because this is this is gonna have to be like I hate to say it, a player fixed issue. Yeah, right. There has to be veteran players that come in and say, "Hey guys, this isn't this isn't how we do major league baseball." <coughs> Sorry. This is where the oh. value of the players like Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina and you know David Ortiz and that's when player. This is where you see the, the value of guys like that, like the veterans who come in. This is how we do it here. And, you know, and Kenny Middleton even said it. He was excited to go to the Yankees because he knows what he's getting into. Right. He knows there's rules and structures and expectations. He's like, I want that. I need that. This free-for-all in Chicago doesn't work. And so if, if big if, which, I mean, we're kind of assuming he is, if Tim Anderson's sure. part of this big, like, bad culture or whatever they got going on in the locker room, is he skeeved that he wasn't traded at the deadline and that's why we're given attitude? Did he have right. the attitude before the trade deadline? You know, like, I mean, he, and he has a, I think it was a player option he has, but, yeah. or a team option or something like that, whatever. Yeah. He, there's an option remaining. I can't remember if it's, if it's mutual or, or if he holds it, but I mean, and a week, couple weeks ago, I mean, I said it and you guys totally agreed. And I think even Morgan said it, the one trade that needed to happen was Tim Anderson leaving Chicago. Yep. Like that, that has run its course. It doesn't work. It's a bad situation. He doesn't want to be there. He doesn't care. He needs to go somewhere else. You're look. you're, you're looking at a dude that won the batting title, right? This guy won a batting title in was it 2019. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago. 2019. He's had two or three all-star appearances. He had finished in the MVP voting. Like he was in the top 10 of MVP voting. 
in the first four or five years of his career, and he's hitting what a buck ninety, two ten, somewhere around there. No power, no. Well, his, his average has come up. He's been he's been hot lately. He's at two forty four. Oh goodness! Um, he, has but he, a, was, he has a negative one and a half WAR. Yep, well, one home run, nineteen runs batted in, eleven stolen bases for a guy who's typically pretty speedy. You know, the, he's he's OBP is two eighty five and he's slugging two ninety two. Like, he is so far below an average major leaguer right now. It's not even funny. And this is from a guy who last year hit three oh one with uh, six home runs. Never a big power guy. Twenty one, he hit three oh nine with with seventeen home runs. Twenty twenty, he hit three twenty two with ten home runs in a shortened season. Like this this guy has been a legitimate legitimate shortstop for the last six six years or so. Yeah, and he is le- absolute trash this year. Yeah, you're legit talking about Tim Anderson as top five shortstop in the league. I, very, even, he's very even, quietly done great in Chicago where he's gotten no attention. Yeah, I, I mean, even coming into this year, we're like, you know, if the White Sox could get their young guys on the right road, on the right path, this could be a good team. They mm-hmm. have the pitching. They have the bats. And... They just—it's got to be the, the whole culture Tim, thing. It's definitely... Tim Anderson. Tim Anderson is the kind of guy that like twenty other major league teams would love to have until yeah. this year, and where he's proven that he's very easily disinterested. Which is crazy. You think about the WBC that this guy had, like moving yep. to second base. He was highly known. Like he really got some notoriety by making that change, making yep. an impact in that USA lineup. And he has now lost all credibility with just looking like an absolute punk and getting his ass beat. I mean, that was bad. Beat bad. Bad. Um, yeah. It, it's a shame. It, this was this was a legitimate kind of top ten guy at his position. This year has been a disaster. I think a lot of it is that he wants out. He doesn't want to be there. That organization is a is a, is a dumpster fire. They're going nowhere. He knows it. They know it. You know, he's thirty. So it's not like, you know, he's 30. He's been in the league, what, seven or eight years now. Yep. He's looking around and going, all right, like, I'm not going to win here. So get me out of here. Like, send me somewhere where I can win because I'm tired of losing. Yeah. It's just the whole situation just doesn't look good. Jose Ramirez came out again today, said, I reached out to Anderson to apologize yep. and all of that. And he's heard crickets. Um, he won't. Anderson. No. Anderson is... He has put himself on an island, and nobody, nobody's going to reach out to him. Nobody wants to be around that guy anymore. He's he's now basically labeled a cancer, and it's you know it's the bed he's made for himself. He's yeah. he's put himself on that island. It just goes to show that like this White Sox team is so far gone, and we're going to get to the the other Sox in a minute because yeah. I got some bones <laughs> to pick with them, but. As bad a shape as the Red Sox are in right now, they are not even close to what this organization is and what this organization stands for these last two years. Like I said, when you're, I, I understand Larusa had undergoing like medical things, like I get it, but put an able bodied person in there that's not falling asleep on the bench. Yeah. You know, it starts with that and then players taking advantage of that because that can't be the only place that Larusa's sleeping. You know what I mean? Not technically sleeping, but you know what I mean? Like, he's probably lax. Like, hey, guys, I got two doctor's appointments today. Not going to be in. 
like come in and get your work done. Well, that turns five minutes late, 10 minutes late, 20 minutes late. The guys aren't held accountable. And now that turns into a huge clubhouse culture and it brews up into a storm like this, an absolute shit storm that Jose Ramirez brought to the forefront with one swing of the right hand. Yep. Well, I think, I think people get the impression that these major league managers just like show up, fill up a line of cards, sit in the dugout and, and make a few decisions. But just like just like wherever you know whatever school you work at a company you work at there's always conflict there's personalities there has to be structure and rules and guidance and direction just like managing people in a in an office you're still these are still human beings they still bring their problems to work they still oversleep they still do what they want to do and a lot of these managers the really good managers are the ones that can actually put that structure in place and and kind of hold you to it. And what I, what I really found interesting was w- with watching some of these Netflix shows, like I've been watching Quarterback, just wrapping that one up. What you realize is that so many of these teams and these these managers, they spend so much of their time just creating that discipline and creating that structure and enforcing that, and then getting the veteran guys to buy in so they enforce it. Um, and if you don't do that, and you got these guys, a lot of these guys are in their twenties with millions. Like, do they think right. that you think they want to be taking fielding practice? No, they'd rather be sleeping off the night before, whatever they're doing. You know, a lot of this is in place to keep these guys rolling and keep these guys from getting in trouble. Yeah. Um, and if you can't put some sort of structure in place, 26 millionaires running around, that's a problem. I mean, I think about it like this. Like, I, I was 21 and in college, right? I, I mean, some of these kids are 19, 20, 22, 23. Hell, even when I was 26, what the heck was I doing at 26? If I didn't have somebody over my shoulder telling me that, like, hey, kid, like, this is your job. You need to be here at nine. I need your ass here at nine. Like, I would go in whenever I wanted to. Like, these these guys are kids. And then, like you said, you add the money on top of that where they feel untouchable. Like, you need that manager in place to be like, hey, like, you have a job to do. You need to get your ass here on time. Yeah. and then it, it just boils over. Into and then point. you look at this, you know, no structure. It means you're not taking, you're not doing your fielding practice. You're not taking your extra BP. And what does that end up with? You end up with a team that sucks. Yep. Because the other teams around you that are coming, that are showing up early and showing up on time and doing the extra work like they're supposed to be doing are the teams that are kicking your ass every night because they've got their act together. And that's when you, you look at these teams and you look at the White Sox roster and go, they're better than this. Well, they're playing, they're playing to the level of the structure they've got in place. Yeah. And that's where they're at. And it's just crazy. You are in, and there's no argument, the worst division in Major League Baseball. Oh, it's horrendous. You yeah. have the easiest chance to win Such and arguably, player. arguably have the most talented team in that division. Yep. Like raw talent. You probably have one of the most, if not the most talented team in that division. Yeah, and it you is. you just can't do anything with it. That division was wide open to be had. I mean, Minnesota's been pretty good lately. You know, they're five games over 500. I mean, they're they're putting it together. Minnesota's putting it together. But otherwise, that division, it's it's kind of a mess. Yeah. I, I just, I don't understand it. But, I mean, it's just, it's almost like the punch heard around the world. Again, because <laughs> it just brought all of the White Sox problems, like, out in one, in an instant. Right. As soon as that right hook crossed Anderson's jaw and he stumbled back, Chicago White Sox organization was just all of a sudden out on the field. Like everybody could see everything. Yep. 
and it then we're still seeing stuff like news is still rolling in about these guys so and i feel like the sad part in all this is that there's probably some white Sox players that are really happy to see tim anderson get his bell rung i, I yeah i'm sure <laughs> i think he's got I, some I'm teammates sure. that are like amen i mean we've we've all had those teammates oh absolutely right be like you walk into the locker room, you're like, dude, if this guy opens his mouth one more I, time. I, I played with this Nick Arno dude back in college. My oh, God. yeah. Absolute dick. <laughs> but, yeah, man. I, It's crazy. I don't I don't know where the White Sox go from here, though. To, like, look, to move on to like trying to fix the issue. Other than completely. I mean, no wonder they said at the deadline, like, nobody's off limits. Yeah. But... If I was them, I would have just shipped everybody out. And they should have. They should have found a way to get rid of Tim Anderson. They should have found a way to dump. Um, I mean, Randall you don't want to. You don't want one year deal, I think. Like, yeah, I mean, you, like, you don't want to dump guys like Luis Robert, who could become core pieces down the road. But you need to dump those fringe guys, which which did a nice job. You know, Graveman and Lynn, and they got rid of some of the guys that are not going to be around. I was shocked about Berger. I, I thought Ber- they were. I thought he was going. I thought he was untouchable. I. Uh, that was a shock to me, but you know, whatever uh, they got rid of him. But you kept Tim Anderson. Like it, 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 you know, the White Sox need to make this all make sense. And if I'm a fan of the White Sox, I'm sitting there going, "You traded away some pieces. I get you got rid of what we thought was a core guy in Berger, but you kept Anderson. Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? If I'm a White Sox fan, I'm going across town and becoming a well, Cubs fan. If I'm a White Sox fan, that's a me problem first. But <laughs> you're right. <laughs> that's, that's more about me than anything else. But. Well, it's just bad. That organization is just a disaster. Yeah, yeah, it's too bad. But while we're on the topic of stinky socks, let's move over yeah. to the Red Sox. Um, I mean, our I'm just, I want to apologize to everybody right now for the rant that Nick is about to go on. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't have much of a rant other than I, I had to calm like, Nick down the other day. I'd be like, dude, I'm not arguing with you here. But I mean, geez. This this weekend was like the the combination of watching the Giants series, having them come home and needing this series yep. with who they have next. They have the Royals. They have the Tigers coming in. They have I they have an easy stretch of the schedule. You needed at least one of these games, and the mistakes that the Red Sox are making to me aren't. Like I can handle physical mistakes all day. It happens. Like Rafi makes a play in the hole and he throws it into the stands. Whatever. Kike Hernandez, you know, throwing yeah. physical. Like he was just missing his buddy Kike. <laughs> right. But <laughs> I'm just saying, like physical mistakes, I can handle any day of the week for sure. These mental getting doubled off bases numerous times in a game to end the game the other night. Reese McGuire. That ball that Connor Wong hit, Connor Wong hit, was not crushed. Like off the bat, you're like, okay, it's got a shot. But then, like, what are you doing? Like, it wasn't a no doubter. No. And McGuire just puts his arm up, starts trotting around the bases, and it's like a routine fly out to the warning track, and yeah. gets doubled off to end the game in your own house. I just well, and the tough one with that too, like off the bat. Off the bat, I think everybody thought it was going to carry further than it, than it did. But in that situation in the game, you still don't go all the way to third base and start rounding it. Like, you're halfway, you're three quarters. You've got to be able to get back in case the wind knocks that thing down. He makes a great catch. 
So big time mental mistake from the drift that far. But secondly, he gets around third base before the third base coach even says anything to him. Like, what the hell was he doing? Yeah. Like nobody was paying any attention to what was going on. I, I don't even. Yeah. I it's, just stand on second base. Right. The ball goes off the wall. You're going to score anyways. Yeah. I mean, or worst case is first and third, but you should be halfway. If that ball hits the wall, you're going to score. But if you're if he catches that thing, you get back. Yeah. And, and these are the but, mental mistakes that the Red Sox are making over and over and, and over. And the third base over. coach is saying nothing. He's just like standing there waving his hands around. Like, what do you what are you doing, guy? Like, give him some give him some guidance. You got, you can read it, too. Yeah, I went back and and watched that clip and then like slowed it down and tried to look and I couldn't tell and this is me watching and you get like a quick snippet. I couldn't tell if he was pointing back to second base or like, like you said, like waving him home like you can't tell at one point like he's got his hand like kind of like it's a slight wave and then he's like twirling it and then I think he's pointing at the outfielder like read it read it. And then he catches it, and it's like, oh, whoops. Like, yeah, what are you doing here, dummy? play between third and home. I mean, it was too – he should have been screaming at him to go back. Because, again, in that situation, to your point, if that ball hits the wall, you're scoring if you're halfway. Yeah. But if it's caught, you're getting back. You don't need yeah. to be standing on third base. I just – there's no – Rookie point, mistake. Uh, yeah, I, I guess. I, I just – the amount of mental mistakes – that the Red Sox are making are not an Alex Cora team. You know, it's kind of like when you yeah. see the New England Patriots make mental mistakes. You like you don't see right. you don't see the Patriots make mental mistakes. You usually don't see the Red Sox make this many mental mistakes back to back to back to back. Like this is brutal, brutal baseball to watch. It is. Um and then Alex Cora has that press conference, and I can't even translate that if I sat here and watched that over and over again. It's he's like putting players on blast, he's putting management on blast, he's putting like I, I don't know. It it made no sense. I mean, you got Alex Verdugo gets benched. Nobody talks about why Verdugo and Cora both have this like obscure conversation around availability. He wasn't available. I've got to play who's available. And Verdugo's like, I thought I was available. Apparently, I wasn't available. The coach, the coach's call. We go with it. So you know, we have no idea why Verdugo got benched. And, and in the midst of all this, they have this game with this complete and utter screw up at the end of it. Um, and then Cora, to your point, is is starting to like get all pissy during his press conference. And it's, I don't, I don't know what to make of it, but. I, I do, and this is where Sean and I have always disagreed. I don't think Alex Cora is a great manager. I think he's an okay manager. I think players love him because he he knows he played for a long time. He played everywhere. He's well-respected. I don't think he's a great manager, and I think you're seeing some of that right now. This team has kind of hit – this team's gone as far as it can go. You know, this is not a team that's going to finish 10 games over 500 like they're running at. This is a 500-ish team. They're falling back to reality. But what you're seeing is you're seeing the sloppy, undisciplined play come out. And that's what's dragging them back down. I mean, they got, and then you follow that game up on Sunday with a game they weren't even playing to win. It was a bullpen game. Like, what, what is that? Like, what, you're, you're you yeah. basically just mailed in Sunday. Is that because Cora's pissed or because he literally thought he had nobody that could go? You've got all these arms and nobody can go. Yeah. I, I think he's, everybody's waiting for everyone to come back. Listen, that's not going to solve any of it's the Red Sox. Too friggin' late. Whitlock, Halk, 
Story, all those guys coming back is not going to fix this ball this ball team. In fact, I don't even think it moves the needle at all, to be I mean, completely honest. So let's let's look at the American League standings right now and, and figure out who the Red Sox are going to replace in the playoffs. Are they going to replace the Baltimore Orioles? Nope. The Rays? Nope. Nope. Blue Jays? Nope. Minnesota? They can't. Texas? Nope. Houston? Nope. Seattle? Nope. Um the Yankees? I mean, I mean the Yankees have a better chance than the Red Sox do, and they're a mess. We'll get to the Yankees too, because they're <laughs> but, just as bad. I mean, you go down the list, and there's at least seven teams better than the Red Sox ahead of the Red Sox in the standings for only six spots. Like this yeah. team's not going to the playoffs unless they absolutely light the world on fire and everybody falls apart. They're not they're not going to the playoffs. It doesn't matter if Chris Sale comes back. It doesn't matter that Trevor Story is coming back on Tuesday. It, it's too little, too late. I, but this, but again, like this team, and I say this going back to what I said originally, I'm okay with this being a bridge year. I'm okay with the Red Sox beginning to push some of these players out, you know, getting guys like Kike off the roster and rebuilding. I'm okay with them not winning this year. But they weren't going to win this year. They will have a pretty good team for next year, I believe, and I'm okay with that. But I do not enjoy watching this team play crap baseball when they're a better team than that. Like, they're not the White Sox. They're not the Royals. They should be playing better baseball than that. Yeah. Ken makes a good point right here. Why did Story say he needed to stay on rehab? I, I mean, it's a good point because he was yeah. slated to come back for that Blue Jay series on Friday. And now all of a sudden he's not going to make it until, is it tonight or tomorrow? Tomorrow. Tomorrow night he makes his debut. Um, I mean, I'm kind of with you, Ken. I mean, unless there's something that he he's just not 100%, doesn't feel – 100% confident because he's starting off playing the field, right? He's not even DHing. Yeah, it sounds like he's going right to the field, he's which right I thought was field. never the plan. And and honestly, and if I'm Trevor Story, I'm kind of looking at what I'm coming back to and going, I don't I don't want to rush back. No. Like he's a guy who's had enough injuries the last two years that rushing back to play on a team that's going to finish, you know, five games out of the wild card is silly. Like if the guy needs another week, give him a week. Yeah. If and if he if he if he really needs to just be shut down for the season, then do it. It, it doesn't, right. it's it not doesn't matter. Like this team's not going anywhere this year. Even if they were to make the playoffs, they will get handled by anybody they face. The part of the press conference that, and I could be wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm not dreaming about this, but Cora did say something about getting pieces at the deadline, right? That he didn't get. Yeah. He made there a was, comment like that, right? Like, yeah. You know, thinking that they would get some, they would get some help at the deadline. They didn't get Cora. Yeah. Cora clearly is not happy right now. And that really came spilling out this weekend. Just yeah. just like the White Sox disaster opened up when Tim Anderson got knocked out, you know, this this debacle over the weekend really kind of opened up all these wounds. And apparently Cora's not happy. He doesn't he's not coming across as a guy who's liking where he's at. I mean, to his defense, like he has every right to not be happy. Like yeah. you're you're telling this team that, like, hey, like you guys are, you know, a couple of the games over five hundred. We have a chance. We're two games out of the wild card spot, but yet you're not going to make moves to let us compete this year. And I think that was the point that I was trying to get across on text message this weekend yeah. was like, not the fact that like I get the Red Sox are rebuilding for the for the, for the long term, and sure. I'm glad they are, but you can't just be like, you got to put a competitive team out there. Like you're you're two games above 500. You're battling for a wild card spot. You're battling for a a chance at a World Series. When you're battling for a playoff spot, you are battling for a World Series. 
and you're not that far out of it. You need starting pitching. Yeah, you need one or two right now. Right. You need one or two bullpen arms. You could have wheeled and dealed a couple guys and got some help. Duvall's on a one-year deal. Bye. See ya. Get me an arm. Yeah. Um, there's tons of teams looking for offense. Look and at the Duvall's not been great since he came back. No, but the Angels would have probably traded for him a right hand. And apparently back. the Braves had even inquired about him. Right. I I just there was there was deals to be had to help this team now and not affect the future. And I, yep. I think that's what Cora was going at. Like, hey, you know we all obviously need starters with Halk gone, Whitlock gone. Yeah. Um I mean, I know I said it last week, like trade Paxton high. But if you're going for something this year, obviously keep him. Yep. Um, but in, in the same breath, if you're not going for anything this year and you are building for the future, ship him out right. while his value's high. But yeah, you you're, you're, you're not going to get him. Anything. You're not going to get him back next year on, for a $10 million deal like he's on this year. No. And so. you, just, you just didn't do anything. And like and you, I do. I, I think in, in, I think in, so it, you know, my argument to you was, was, you know they weren't gonna. They're not gonna invest into this team because they know they know it's not going anywhere. So, I get the hesitancy to make trades. However, I will say, there's been a few times. There's been a few times here the last couple of years that I've kind of thought, what are they doing? Like, I go back to the Xander Bogart situation. You knew you weren't gonna resign him. Why didn't you trade him? I look at the Michael Walker situation. That guy sat on the market forever. He went to San Diego for a song, and he's been one of their best pitchers. Now, granted, he's missed some time because that's what Walker does. But when on the mound, he's been very effective, and the Red Sox had no arms. Like you could have, had, you could have picked him up cheap. I look at this trade deadline. Duvall is not part of your plan, and he's honestly not been that good. Jaron yeah. Duran took his job, and Duran's been great. So goodbye, Duvall. Right. Go get something for him. You know, package him up with Kike and send him somewhere else. Like you, you, you just could have, you could have made some moves to at least mm-hmm. make this team better. That wouldn't have hurt next year. Why they didn't, I don't know. I understand yeah. not wanting to invest into this team and, and give away anything worth worth anything because this team's not going anywhere, but doing nothing also seems a little odd. You just DFA'd Christian Arroyo. Yeah, you, you could, could have dealt him and Adam Duvall in one package. Now, I don't even care. One package for another arm from the freaking White Sox. The White Sox was like, hey, everyone's yeah. on the table. Like, they were like at a yard sale. Like, who do you want? Come get him. Right. Like, he's right here. Right. Um, Negotiate that price down on him. The sticker means nothing. Yeah. 25 cents, you can have them. Like, yep. there was deals to be have had, yep. and the Red Sox just didn't do anything. I mean, Luis Urias, honestly, we laughed when the deal kind of happened because they're like, oh, let's just stick him in AAA. <laughs> right. But that was just until they DFA'd Arroyo. It was just right. a... It was just a, a waiting spot. That's probably what they told Urias was like, hey, you're going to go here for a second, but as soon as we DFA right. or make the roster spot, you're up. And yeah. he could and be a part of the long-term solution at second base. For he the could Red be. Sox. I mean, he's a good he's a good player, good young player. But yep, he's got a ton of pop when and, he's out. And for all we know, Haim tried to move Duvall and Arroyo and those guys and found nobody who would take him for anything awesome. of value. Maybe that happened. Who knows? But I do... As much as I as much as I agree that you know trading trading parts of any value right now is a bad idea, they could have discarded the parts that were clearly not part of next year's plan for different parts, um, and try to see if they could have could have made this team a little better. 
but and it's hard as a manager. You know, Alex Cora is judged on wins and losses. That's right. why managers don't like going through rebuilds. I mean, look at the Moneyball story. Art Howe did not want to be the manager of that team with what Billy Bean was doing until he got his, got a long term contract extension. Then he was happy to do it, yeah. um, because these guys are judged on wins and losses. Right. And you don't want to manage a team that sucks year after year. You know, you want to win. That's what you're there for. So it's yeah. it's tough because clearly Cora is not on the same page right now as the front office. Yeah, and and that and that's the kind of the line I was skirting this weekend was like I completely understand like not getting rid of Marcel Marcelo Mayer, not getting right. rid of uh, Rafaela. I I get it. Like we yep. don't want to sell the farm. Correct. Like, these kids are good. They're gonna be good when they're when they're ready. I, I get it. But you're also you're also your obligation is to also put a team that's in position to possibly win to make the best moves to win now you're the you're the freaking boston red sox like this is not a this is a storied this is a large storied market right you know and as much as i love what heimblum is doing and i love the fact he's going to try to turn the red sox into a slightly fancier version of the rays where where they're perpetually competitive Mm-hmm. which i want i'm, I'm not saying which, which, I, agreed. Want that. I think we all want that yeah but in this market that concept is hard to swallow we're used to go get pedro go get manny go get kurt Schilling, go get the pieces you need we're going to build a winner we had the years of dombrowski who brought in sale and, and made all these big fancy splashy right. trades now granted what dombrowski did was gutted the organization and left time bloom a friggin mess to clean up. So, and that's, you know, follow Dombrowski's career everywhere he goes, they go for it all. If they, if they win great, if they don't, it doesn't matter. Cause the fall off the backside is usually pretty ugly. Um, but it's hard in this market to swallow this low budget model because you're used to just going out and getting what you need because you're the goddamn Boston Red Sox. Right. You're not the freaking Kansas city Royals. No. And I think that's kind of the, the pieces like it's not the fact like i don't need a big splashy mood move yeah we, we but, didn't need giolito no but like michael lorenzen was gotten by the phillies for, for pennies nothing. on the dollar for right like nothing i mean like they sent their first base coach from high a like yeah like, they sent him they sent him a couple of pizzas a bag of balls and a first base coach like yeah i mean and guess what we needed starting pitching there were arms out there to be had that could have helped this red sox staff like, do I love this offense? I don't love it, love it, but they can put up runs they when can they hit. want to. They can hit. So I'm, I'm fine with not, you know, bringing in somebody for the offense. But we needed help in the pitching staff. Like, you can't tell me that even with Sale making a rehab start, and he's due to be back soon. Like, you can't rely on Sale, Whitlock, and Hout coming back from injury to be A, in top form, or B, not to get hurt again. I mean, well, and the irony too of this little skid for the Red Sox, it's been the offense that's actually been a little bit off. Yeah. You know, the, it's, the pitching's been pretty good, um, right. except for Sunday when they pitched a bullpen game and got torched. But even then, they scored one run. Like it wouldn't have mattered. No. Um, it just, it, it, the team is very Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. And it's clear from Cora's comments over the weekend, he's not happy, which means I'm sure that clubhouse is not necessarily the happiest place on earth right now either. And, you know, getting a guy like Story back helps. If Sale comes back, that helps. It's probably too little too late. And even if this team somehow does make a run and makes the playoffs, they're going to get bounced. And 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 Boston's on a market where making the playoffs is a moral victory. 
No. Like it's just not. Not not anymore. It's just it's not. No. Um also speaking of kind of train wrecks of organizations, I gotta cool off from the Red Sox a little bit, but um <laughs> train wrecks of organizations. The Yankees right now. Oh my goodness. I, I don't know if you have seen this clip of John Carlos Stanton, but there is a base hit hit to like you know short right center field and third base coach is waving him home and and stanton is just dogging it to home plate i I mean he gets thrown out no joke by 55 feet half the baseline he gets thrown out of which that's math uh, 45 whatever but i mean that's not the point the point is is i think john carlos stanton's still hurt yep and he's playing um there's some well, he better be hurt, otherwise there's no explanation for what happened. I, I would I would hope he's hurt, yes. and that's the only reason he didn't go hard into home plate. But there's also reports saying that Anthony Rizzo played with a concussion. There's reports yeah, for months, but like for months. There was, I mean, there's reports. They just put him on the, the IL for a concussion. He got back in like May. Yeah, Josh Donaldson was on the 60 day IL, taking batting practice a week later. So something with the Yankees is is also either the training staff's not communicating, yeah. the front office, the manager. I, I don't know what's going on there, but that team is also <laughs> in absolute shambles. And, and let's be honest. I mean, you look at that Yankees roster. Rizzo is a shell of his former self. Stanton is an average major leaguer when he's healthy now. His, a lot of his power is gone. He's got no speed. The dude is a the dude is so his body's like so seized up from injuries. Um, Lemay, who's a joke, um, you know, the pitching staff, uh, Cole is Cole, Radon does not look good. Um, he's been kind of all over the place. They just that team, it, it, they're full of contracts from guys who are just, I don't know if they're at the tail end of their careers. If they get to New York, cash the big check and go, eh, whatever, I'm just going to camp out here. There is no, there's no upside. There's no bright side. There's no light at the end of the tunnel for this team. That roster sucks. That roster is an expensive trash heap. It is the Mets all over again. It is the Padres. It they are littered with big contracts that are no good from guys who are literally shells of their former selves. Carlos Rodon just went on the 15 day IL again. Did he really? Oh my god. Yep. Today just went on again. Dude, just just. Take him out for the year. He's done. Just send him home. Yeah. I it's, it's pointless. Crazy. I mean, that that whole team at some point, other than Volpe, I think has been on the IL. Yep. Like I mean And Yankees fans think he's trash and he's actually had a decent season. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Yeah. But that that team is again littered with big bad contracts. Yeah, it's and Brian Cashman still has a job. That blows my mind. I just, I don't understand how Yankees fans, the guy has won one title in 25 years, and yet he's still there. This is the, literally, he's he has presided over the Yankees' least productive stretch in base, in their history, and he it, still has a job. If, if I'm a Yankees fan, I am calling for everyone's head. You got to go. I am like, listen. If you can fire Hal Steinbrenner, find a way. We're the New York freaking Yankees. Like Aaron Boone, thanks, but bye. You Brian Cashman, thanks, but bye. Like you got you got to do it. Like you can't just keep pulling in 
these six foot four high strikeout power guys. Like they're not scoring you runs. They're not. I mean, Judge stubbed his toe and he's been out for six months. I'm, I oh. mean, like John Carlos Stanton swings and he's on the 60 day IL. And even and, when he's out yeah. there, he's a he's an average major leaguer anymore. Yeah. I, I mean, Anthony Rizzo has been playing with a foggy head since May. Like, I I don't know what they're doing, but they're all the same hitter. Other they than Vol- other than Volpe, who else is not a, a high strikeout power guy? I, I can't name you one. I mean, LeMahieu, Donaldson. I mean, even there's even times where Glaber Torres goes up there just trying to hit bombs. And LeMahieu's not that hitter. He's when not. LeMahieu was in Colorado, you couldn't get the dude out. He was LeMahieu was a guy who was a perennial contender for the batting title. When when I saw him sign with the Yankees in that deal, I go Yankee like this. Yankees are going to be another dynasty here. When the Mayhew signed in New York, I go, it's all over. This dude is legit hitter. And he is completely just, he can't stay on the field either. That's part of his issue. But his, his contact hitting has completely just changed. He doesn't. And well, the Yankees continue to go through hitting coaches, you know, finally bringing in Sean Casey, who I hope is able to do what he needs to do. But the, the Yankees coaching staff has been a revolving door. Yeah, other than the one that needs to go. Other than Aaron Boone, right? He his his coaching staff continued to get fired or leave, but he's still there. And you should hear his interviews. I I don't know. I love I love his John Boy interviews because he yeah. gives it to him pretty good. John Boy doesn't hold back, and he neither does, does the other the other kid that interviews him all the time too from yep. John Boy Media. Yep. But both of them they, just don't they hold don't back. hold back, and Boone doesn't like it, but he does the interviews. But you just look you look at Boone and you, you see the look on his face. It's like I, I have to do this to defend my job because right. I mean I can't believe that I'm defending Aaron Boone, but like <laughs> he has no he can't do anything with this team. No, I mean like, he, what are you gonna do? Oh, I'm gonna put Stanton fourth today and judge third, or I'll put judge that like there's nowhere to got, move this yeah. lineup. There's zero flexibility in that result. lineup. Right. Yeah. There's, I mean, the, the best manager in the world wouldn't get much more out of this team than he has, um, which is scary to think. I think, I mean, I think that a, a, be, a better manager would get more out of them, but the roster, the roster just ain't good. The lineup's not that great. The pitching rotation is, it's <laughs> an expensive question mark. <laughs> Boone has the job yeah. since he took, you, you ain't wrong. No, it I feels mean, like a lifetime achievement award. Like, thanks yeah. for 2003. Here's a job. Yep. He's a New York Yankee for life because of that one hit. Like, I get it. But he's, yeah. Like I said, it's hard for me to sit here and defend him. Yeah. I think but you can't do anything when all of them are on the IL. All of them are the same exact hitter. Your pitchers can't stay on the field. Hell, your pitcher's out there drinking a keg before, goes out and throws a perfect game and then just like, freaking chugging beers all the time like in the clubhouse it's like david game. wells is like, back in town I, <laughs> man i i mean i hope i hope herman gets the help he needs that, that um, dude is like, his I, he's like a personal what? train wreck what the actual hell dude <laughs> domestic violence alcoholic yep. and then throws a perfect game yep. and then like only, kills only, me. yeah kills good me. things only happen to good guys right kills me man so but it's, I, it's mean, I think it's fair to say that this yankees roster is actually worse than aaron boone uh and therefore it's not all his fault but he's still a terrible manager you're welcome sean i got it in <laughs> yeah I, I mean and i 
I don't know. I don't know what else to say about that. To be honest, there's nothing it's you can just... say that the Yankees are the the differences between the Red Sox and the Yankees are the Yankees aren't in transition. They're stuck with this roster for a long right. time. The Red Sox are in transition, and good things are coming. The Yankees are stuck with bad contracts for several more years. Right, which is creating the logjam because you have Jason Dominguez, who's probably ready to come up, who's the top prospect. Right. Are you going to bench a guy making thirty million bucks to put him in the lineup? Like, no, you can't do that. Nope. And you can't trade these guys. You're not going to trade Stanton anywhere. The guy is he's damaged goods. He's of no value. No, crazy. It's nuts. It, to, to have that team, to have the New York Yankees in the position that they're in, is an absolute disgrace to baseball. And if Brian Cashman doesn't finally get fired, the fans should like storm the stadium and like oust Hal Steinbrenner, take the, take the organization over because clearly Hal is not his father and he doesn't know what he's doing and they, he needs help. Yeah. I, I, yeah. All right. <laughs> let's, uh, let's move off from the complaint train for a little bit here. All right. Um, and talk about some of the trade deadline debuts a little bit. Hmm. Um, I love, love the fact that Jack Flaherty went to Baltimore and just absolutely yep. dealt. That Shoved. was amazing. Loved yep. it. He I looked so for... good in that orange uniform yep. too. I love it for Baltimore. I love it for Jack Flaherty. Um, that, that might be the most underrated trade of the entire deadline. I think at this point, yeah, like I, I said last week, and this was, I think before the Jack Flaherty deal got done, but my, click to pick if you will was Ahmed Rosario that's in, a good one in the Dodgers that was a good I one. was I was so surprised the Guardians dealt him I did not see that coming yeah I mean and Aaron Savali I know like, you're still in a playoff race Guardians. They, were, what are you doing? they were like a game out when they did it and he's your most consistent starter I, he, I was just he's like, been good I don't I, I did not see the the Guardians being sellers I didn't see I, didn't either yeah and they got rid of josh bell the only guy that hits home runs on your team right i mean granted yeah, where'd jo- he had where'd nine, josh bell go? miami that's right miami miami got josh bell and jake berger at the oh, deadline that's right because right, they needed some offensive help badly and then they got um uh jorge lopez from the twins so yep. they they beefed up <laughs> when that trade <laughs> broke i thought it said pablo lopez i'm like they traded for pablo lopez they got pablo lopez back right crazy there's no way yeah um but yeah, love that Jack Flaherty absolutely dealt in Baltimore. I that love that. I am I am straight pulling for the Baltimore Orioles the rest of the way. I, I mean, yep. since, my pick. since my D-backs are falling Ugh, fast. They've had a rough stretch. Real rough. Um, but yeah. Um, Michael Lorenzen went to the Phillies, like we said earlier. Yep. And he actually had a pretty good debut outing. I, I don't didn't. know the. I don't know the. I'm pretty sure he went line. six and gave up like one run, but he he was good, very effective. Yep. Um. And again, back to what you had said earlier, they got him for a song. That's a that's a pitcher that a lot of teams should have been should have been in on. Yeah, yeah. And the dude can not the pitcher's head anymore, but the dude can rake. He actually can hit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um. Justin Verlander went back to the Astros, um, and he, I think he had a decent, decent did, start, didn't he? Did you see the fact that the the Mets are kicking in a bunch of cash, and they're going to pay like half of his option for next year if he picks it up or something crazy? So, really, the Houston Astros get Justin Verlander back for like half the price. If 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 it's not a sign that the Houston Astros are like somehow 
under some kind of like favoritism or a special treatment around the league, it's got to be this. Like they get Justin Verlander back for half the money they would have paid if they just signed him. Yeah. And he was good. And Scherzer was good for the Rangers after he settled down too. Those two yeah, guys he, went he somewhere a, else and he had a shaky better. had a shaky first inning. I think he yeah. gave up three earned runs in the first inning. Yeah, but... and then he was then he settled right down. Yeah. Uh just I mean I, I think both those guys, a change of scenery is probably good. That that team was going nowhere. It's crazy that you know they were teammates and now they're both fighting for the NL West. I, I mean no, AL West against it's funny. each other. It's, it's cool. funny. Oh, and Verlander ended up back in Houston where really he wanted to be all along. They just weren't gonna match the money. Yeah. Now Which they don't have to, and they get them back anyways. Yeah, it's crazy. What I think the number, what was that, $139 million I think he's paying to players that are no longer on the New York Mets. Yes, for the next like two years, he's paying a substantial amount of money to guys who aren't there anymore. Jesus Christ. And what's amazing to Cohen is just money. Yeah, it's no biggie. And they're, they're calling 24 a transition year, and 25 is the next time they expect to be competitive. Yeah, and that's what he told the Just Max like Scherzer, that. and then that's he when went, Scherzer was like, okay, I'm out. He went all in on 23, and then when it didn't work, he pulled the plug and said, nope, we're changing gears, 24 is a transition year, 25 will be competitive again. If you don't like it, get out. Yeah, and as Scherzer and Verlander both at 38, 39, yeah. you're going to get out. You're not there yeah. for a rebuild. I'm not so sure either one of those guys is still a, is still pitching in 25. No. Um. Credit to Steve Cohen. It didn't work. I'm not going to let it go on any longer. Pull the plug. Oh, absolutely. You got to. Yeah, you so. absolutely. Got to. And I heard that Alonzo was actually on the block at one point, too. That so. would have been interesting to see him go. Up. If if there's anybody they should try to get rid of, it's Lindor. That contract is atrocious. And he has really not oh. been the Lindor that we nope. thought he was. He got to New York, and he has stunk. Yep. He is um, not the same guy. And he's making more money than all the other shortstops. He's what, thirty-four million a year? Was he a ten-year, three forty? Yeah, I think he's somewhere around that. Yeah, he's making more money than all those guys who signed this offseason. Crazy. And the shortstop market's just going to get lower and lower too, because you saw like Correa and all them only signed for what was it like twenty-six million a year? Like the market's yeah. starting to decrease a little yeah. bit there, but yeah, I mean, and and you know, to defend Lindor, it's it's. I mean, he's having a good season. But he's not having a thirty-four million dollar cornerstone shortstop season. No. Um, the Cubs did DFA Trey Mancini. So that was, that, that was of, sad for me. Yeah, it was a little sad for me too. I just don't think at this point who's going to pick him up. Well, it's like Nelson Cruz is still out there too, right? Yeah, I, I, I mean, unless some, there's an injury somewhere, yeah, no one's gonna somebody. Pick him up. Somebody could use a veteran bat. I'm surprised those guys are still sitting there. I mean, it would be a nice touch for the Orioles to do it, but they're in a playoff play? race. Right. right. They're in a playoff race. They're not going to give up a roster spot for Trey Mancini to just enjoy the ride on the bench. Yeah, like, love you, Trey, but we got don't have a spot for you anymore. Right. Um, There's no yeah. lifetime achievement awards here. Right. Uh, was there any other debuts that were – can't think of any other off the top of my head. I mean, Lance Lynn probably pitched for the Dodgers at this point, but I don't didn't hear anything about him. I mean, your boy Kike has actually been okay out in L.A. He looks a little bit kind of reinvigorated. That's fine. You can stay there. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah. Uh... All right. Um, 
Let's go to the rounding third question first, since it kind of fills in. Then we'll come back to the trivia. But I did not put this out on the on the um, uh, Facebook page this week. Um, but I'm curious for the two of you that are watching. Um, you can chime in on this. Which of these four teams in the NL don't make the playoffs? Okay, so we have Reds, Brewers. Cubs, Dodgers, Giants, D-backs, Padres, Phillies, Marlins. Obviously, the Braves have like already clenched, so yeah. we, that's why they're in. The Braves could take the rest of the season off, and I think they still make it. Yeah. So, <laughs> which teams don't make it? So, you got to pick four that go home. Everybody else goes to the playoffs. Yeah. You asked me this question before we went on the air, and I kind of threw four out there quick. And I, as I'm thinking, I'm like. I might actually change my answer. Okay, who do you who do you got? So my teams that don't make it. So right off the bat, Padres don't make it. Yep. D backs don't make it. And I've sorry, Nick. No, I, um, I'm unfortunately I'm with you. Cubs don't make it. Mm. Yeah, this one this one's the topic. I'm kind of tough. I, I think so. I think the Reds are going to make it. I think the Brewers are going to make it. I think the Dodgers and Giants are going to make it. So I'm the Marlins stuck, are the are the. I'm stuck out. between the Phillies and the Marlins. One of those two teams won't make it. And I, I initially I said the Phillies won't make it because I don't think the Phillies will hold up. But you know, I think the move they made to get Lorenzen helps. I think that they've started to gel a little bit. I feel like they're, you know, Schwarber's still a big black hole. He's a home run or nothing. I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to say the Marlins don't make it. I'm, I'm going to say the Phillies hang on. So I would say D-backs, Padres, Cubs, Marlins for me don't make it. Okay. Interesting. Ken says Padres, Reds, Diamondbacks, and Cubs. All right. So we agree on three or four. Um, yeah, for me. Now, Ken, I only I only base these rankings on war. I know you don't believe in war, but <laughs> for me, um, I'm with you. I, the Padres and D-backs are out. I me. really want the D-backs to make it for the record. I do too, but they're nine and a half back out of the West yeah, now. They fell they, fast. They've had a really rough few weeks. Their July has been atrocious, really yeah, and, bad. And they flipped the, they flipped the calendar to August and didn't start off much better. Dude, they they trade for the closer, Paul Seawald. No. And he strikes out the side in his debut, comes in the next night against Minnesota and gives up back-to-back home runs to tie it and walk it off. It's just, and their offense is nowhere to be found. When I saw the final, when I saw the final come out, I almost sent you a message like to make, just make sure you were okay and not like, you know, thinking about hurting yourself. I was, I was watching it and I was like, you gotta be Because that's painful. Yeah. Brutal. Um, (laughs) Again, if I use war, I'm sure the Red Sox to make the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> awesome um so yeah, yeah for me it's the padres it's the d-backs i'm gonna say brewers oh okay i'm i, I feel i feel conflicted and with the reds i want to believe in them but i i don't know that i can yet they have four of their starting pitchings coming back lodolo's coming back green's coming back because they've lost like six in a row, like they have just yeah. fallen off a cliff. And the Cubs are, are have the best record in the MLB since uh, since All Star Game. They and, do, and, and I had said weeks ago, like I don't 
understand why the Cubs would be sellers of the deadline. I didn't feel like they were that far off. No. And finally it's all clicked. And, and I think they're going to ride that. I, I, you know, like the, they're like, Hey, we're not going to sell the team. And that, that puts like an extra pep into your team being like, okay, like they believe in us. So, well, I think getting a guy like Candelario just helps kind of stabilize things a little bit. I think, yeah. I mean, the Cubs he raked in his, for his day. He did. Cubs he was what, four hits back to back days yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, the, the Cubs have been just like quietly hanging around all year. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to say Padres, D-backs, Brewers. And I hate to go against the Marlins, but I, I think that's my fourth team out. Um, they're already three and a half back from the Phillies. The Phillies have been playing, I can't believe I'm going to say this, pretty good ball. Um, but I think those are my four teams out. But I just I struggle because I'm I'm still not a believer in that Phillies team, but I'm, I'm less a believer in the Marlins team because I've, I've said it all year. They continue to have a negative run differential. They continue to just hang on, and you can only do that for so long. You can only outplay that for so long. Yeah, I agree. I yeah, those are my four teams out: Marlins, Padres, D-backs, Brewers. I mean, those are, I think those are those are good choices. The Brewers is a. That's one that that one kind of makes me go. All right, I mean, I could see that. Yeah. Again, like I was talking to Doug and Morgan last week. I was like, I don't know what to even say about the Brewers. Like they're always like there, but they're never like to the next. They can't just get over the hump. Like they're always right on the cusp, and they can never get by it. So yeah. Well, and you look. I mean, you look at the the Brewers. They've been outscored by both the Cubs and the Reds. The Cubs actually have a plus 75 run differential. The Cincinnati Reds are negative 29. The The Brewers are negative eight. Yeah. Um, and when you look at expected win loss, the Milwaukee Brewers are four games better than they should be. Whereas the Cubs are five games worse than they should be. Yeah. Based on, you know, straight, straight stats. So right. Milwaukee has kind of outplayed where they should be. Yeah. And you could argue the Cubs have, have, have really underperformed where they should be. Maybe that'll fix itself. I mean, the Brewers. I'm not a. I'm not a huge believer in the Brewers. I always thought that pitching would be enough to get them through, but there are nights that that pitching is great, and nights that pitching is horrendous. Yeah, agree. All right, I got some trivia for you, Harrison. Oh boy. So I'm gonna prefer the, preface this with Framber Valdez this past week threw a no hitter. On 93 pitches. Which is crazy. 14 pitches was his highest pitch total of any inning. He never threw more than 14 pitches in an inning. Okay. Wow. So these are all based around no hit, no hitters. Okay. Okay. Martin, here's your first one. Okay. Martin Maldonado has caught three no hitters. Valdez and two combined no hitters which is now tied for third all time. Give me one of the other two who have caught four no hitters. Veritek. Veritek. Do you know the other one that oh. has also our lifetime? Posada? No. Mm. Yeah, because Veritek caught what? Low, Nomo. Yep. Nomo, low. Come on, you got him. Who am I missing? Nomo, low. He was a Cub, too. I know. Um, Clement? 
Nope. Left no, knee. Not, uh, yeah. Um, I know it's killing me right now. Number 31. Number 30. That doesn't help me. Uh, oh, Lester. Yeah, yeah Lester. Lester. Uh, I'm like, and then the, the Cub thing completely threw me off. His, his first name is an art supply. <laughs> you sculpt it. Oh, Clay Buckholes. That's right. I yeah. About Clay's. So those are his four. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, there's one more. Let's see if you can get another it. catcher. Uh, trying to think. I only thought Posada because you would like Cone and Wells and all those guys. And yeah. Posada was a, not Avon Rodriguez. That's a good guess, Ken. Avon's a good one. Yadi didn't catch that many. Nope. It's a what? catcher that's kind of not well known. But when I say it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, it makes sense. Francisco Cervelli. No. Good guess. <laughs> I'll even give you the team. David Ross. I'm confident you might not even get him with the team. The oh, team really? The Philadelphia Phillies. Oh, God. And pres- like our generation? Saw- yes, absolutely. We saw him. Oh, God. He caught Roy Halladay twice, a combined no-hitter, and Cole Hamels. Oh. Oh, God. Who was the catcher back then? You want to know? No, give me a minute. <laughs> okay. It's a hard one. Like, once I saw the name, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I definitely know who he's. Not a Molina. Nope, not a Molina. This one's a tough one. Uh, who the hell was the catcher back then? You're going to say to me so mad about it, too. Yeah. I hope Sean is screaming right now. Being like, I know who it is. I know who it is. <laughs> oh, God. He would know the Phillies catcher, too, being a Mets fan. <laughs> Probably. I am. Oh, God. I, I, who is it? Carlos Ruiz. Oh, of course. Yes. Carlos, Carlos I can Ruiz. picture him, and I'm like, I can't think of his name. Yeah. Carlos Ruiz. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. And he he was a very good catcher. Yeah, and it was like a short amount of time. He yeah. did that oh, yeah. in like, it was like two years, I think. He caught they, those they just, four in like two years. They piled them up. Yep. All right. Back in the late 2000s when they had all those guys together. Yep. Okay, number two. Which three franchises have the most thrown no-hitters? Oh, wow. Including the combined? Are we counting those? Yep. Most thrown no-hitters. Um, you can probably guess just by like time and age of the franchises. I know. I'm trying to think. So the Red Sox, Red Sox with 18 is in third. Wow. 18. That's a lot. Uh, the Yankees. No, really? Okay. Nope. I think they're Uh, after the Red Sox. Okay. Phillies. Nope. I feel like they had a run of them too, but. Dodgers is one. Yes, good job, Ken. Oh, Dodgers, yeah, that's a good Dodgers one. Dodgers is number one with 26. Wow, that's a lot. And then there's one between the Dodgers and the Red Sox. So Dodgers, Red Sox. I already said the Yankees. Uh, the Reds. Not the Angels, not the Reds. Angels are a good guess, too, Ken. That is a good one. They had a run of them, too. I think they're in top Giants? five, but Giants? You say? not Giants. The Orioles. Nope, not the Orioles. We talked a lot about them today. The Braves. Nope. The Mets. No, we we talked like a ton. We let off the show with them. 
Oh, the White Sox? The White Sox, yeah, with 20. Really? Yeah, they had a lot of them like back in the day. Okay. But yeah, Dodgers 26, White Sox 20, Red Sox 18. Wow. Um, so yeah, this next one, also no hitters. What is the least amount of pitches thrown in a no hitter? And who did it? Oof. So Valdez was what, 93? He was, yeah, 93 pitches. Somebody's done it in less than that? Somebody did it in less than this. Damn, he was Mark on the, Nope, it's a good guess. He was on the Houston Astros and did it against the New York Mets in 88. I'll give you that. Nolan Ryan? Nope. Nolan Ryan probably did it on 350 pitches. I was just going to say, as I'm saying that, it's like, well, I Nolan think, Ryan probably walked seven guys, but still. I think you would get this. You would know who this is, but it was not a, like, traditional well-known name 1988 Astros boy that's a hard one that's a hard one because the Astros in that time were not uh oh Ken got it Daryl Kyle Daryl Kyle 85 holy cow I remember he was I remember watching him pitching in the 90s yeah nice job yeah 85 pitches yeah 85 that's crazy to pitch to throw on an 85 pitches yeah Okay, so this is the other side of this. Nice use of Google there, Ken. <laughs> this is the other side of this. That's a hell of a that's a hell of a name to pull out. Which what was the most pitches thrown in a Noah hitter? Nolan Ryan. <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, and who was it? So it was Arizona, an Arizona pitcher in 2010. Randy Johnson? Nope. Schilling never threw one. Nope. Arizona pitcher in 2010. Mm-hmm. With a no-hitter. This is another name, too, that, like, if you... Once you hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think. Who was... They won the World Series in what year? Was it? Oh, one, wasn't it? Yeah. So all those guys were gone. Yeah. Uh, Annabelle Sanchez? No, it's a good guess. Not him. Brandon Webb. Nope, another great guess. Damn. Not him. I'm running out of I'm running out of Diamondbacks pitchers. <laughs> I think trying to give a hint without giving it away. Uh, it's hard. Was he was he a long term Diamondback? No, I don't okay. believe so. I'll give you other teams. He, he, I think he pitched for a whole bunch of Yeah, people. one of these journeyman kind of guys. Yep. Those are the hardest ones to guess because they've been so many places. Yep. Um, started okay. with the Dodgers, went to Arizona, pitched for the Rays, the Tigers, the White Sox, oh, Cardinals. Yeah, he was literally everywhere. Just finished in 2019. Edison Volquez. Nope. It's a hard. This is a really hard one, but boy, no claim to fame in there. Just kind of bounced around. Yeah, he was just a journeyman starter. Oh, this His is the hardest. Initials are E J. Edwin Jackson. Edwin Jackson. Oh, all right. 
Nice job. 149 pitches in a no-hitter. <laughs> 2010. 149 pitches. 149. I kind of forgot about Edwin Jackson there. When I'm, all those teams, I'm thinking of all the guys that have bounced around. and Yeah, Braves were in there. The, oh, yeah, he like, pitched everywhere. That's why I thought, yeah. like, Edison Volquez, he pitched everywhere, too. Yep. Yeah. 149 walks. pitches. Good yeah, eight, God. Eight walks. Crazy. Edwin Jackson was a guy who would, he'd be so good for a year or two and then crap. You know what? And then so you know good what? for a year or two and then crap. The Rays still had to walk off on him. Like, I think they lost that game. <laughs> Fire. Yeah. Oh, God. That's horrendous. 149 pitches. Yeah. I mean, I can't yeah. imagine leaving a guy in that long. Yeah. It's crazy. 149. All right. Well, yeah. Those are good. No, no hitters are fun. Yeah. Uh, Arizona, yeah. They had to walk off on the race. So they won one nothing after 149 <laughs> pitches. Oh, that's Crazy. terrible. All right. We are going to head home and wrap up other news from the week here. Um, as we said, Framber Valdez, no hitter, 93 pitches. Dude looked just. His curveball was disgusting. His, his, he's so two, good. His two-seamer, his sinker was just moving all over the place. It was it was nasty. It was effortless, too. Like, use yeah. that Arizona. Like, even break a sweat. It was crazy. That was amazing. And it's just, you know, just like his run of quality starts last year. Like, the guy just gets out there, makes good pitches in the strike zone, and makes you – you have to beat him. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't and, overpower you at all. Nope. You know, kind of like Maddox, he's just he's very calm out there. He just deals, he throws his pitches, everything moves, nothing straight. Yeah. But man, I mean a no hitter on ninety-three pitches is Yeah. And that's that's when you know you're throwing a heavy ball. Yeah. Like everything you hit, like it hurts when you comes off the bat, you're just like, okay. Like I'm Yeah, because you you look at that game, he got a bazillion ground outs. Yeah. Bazillion. Crazy. Um to summarize the New York Mets season in a nutshell, they lost on a walk-off balk, um, and it was blatantly bad. I, I mean, yep. I think what happened was the pitch calm went, and the pitcher, like, went to reach for the pitch calm and then, like, realized he couldn't do that and then put his arm down real quick, and everyone's like... No, it was it was a disaster. Like, like it was just bad. It was so bad. So I was bad. like, well, you know, that's that's the Mets. That's that's exactly what it is. But it but it it, it is. It's it's the microcosm of the season. Season they just the worst team money. The worst team money can buy. <laughs> Good night, Ken. Thanks for listening, bud. Have sweet dreams um, of war tonight. <laughs> right. Um. Yeah. I. That's just the New York Mets season in a nutshell. Like just absolutely just embarrassing like, it's bad i mean it's so bad and you know normally pete alonzo would go hit like a big home run to help carry that you know pull that game out for him but he can't on a walk off no um bobby witt jr becomes the first player ever to hit 20 home runs and swipe 30 bags in first in his first two seasons of his career so that's i mean this kid is just rotting away already in kansas city but that kid is legit he's and he's, he's good he's stuck in friggin kansas city and then in the meantime you got acuna who i swear to god that guy does nothing but steal bases he's over 50 now and he's got his he's you know, i mean he, that's the kind of guy who could one day be like a 50 50 guy 
because he I does hit for enough pop. Imagine, but he's a he's an almost for sure forty forty guy. Did he any hit any home runs this week? No, he he had two balls that were you know hit, you know bounced off the wall. But he didn't hit any other home. Oh, he's, he's at been 20, a bit of a home. he's at twenty five. Yeah, he's been at twenty five now for like a week. Yeah, yeah, he was at twenty four last Monday, so he yep. is he is at at twenty five. Yep. So he'll, he did hit one. He'll get one of those weeks where he hits four or five. He's got to get fifteen between now and the end of September. He totally could. I, I, oh, there's no no doubt in my mind. But he's good. He but but like you um, watch and he's not getting pitched the same way right now either. Although. You know, then you got Austin Riley, who's hit nine home runs since the All Star break behind him, and Matt Olson, who's hit just as many. Olson's one behind Shohei for the lead. Yeah. He's got Olsen's thirty nine. I picked Olson with the MVP last year. Apparently, I was off by a year. That hey. dude is absolutely raking. I wouldn't want to pitch. I don't want to pitch anybody in that lineup. I mean, you got well, that's you what got I'm Murphy saying. hitting in the five hole, and and he he'll take you deep just as quick. <laughs> I mean, it's major league pitching. I don't think this is more of me just like kind of talking out of my butt, but like I could hit in that lineup right now. Oh, hell yeah. I would be the only person they'd pitch to. Right, right exactly. They'd throw you heaters down the middle because they yeah. got no option. Right. All I'm going to do is bloop it over the second baseman's head and not steal bases on you. So, heck. Um, it's just like, it's great. I don't know who you pitched. Michael Harris. Yeah, I got Acuna. You got Riley. You got Olsen. Yeah, you go. You, got you go Acuna, Albies, Riley, Olson, Murphy, and then beneath that, you know, then you got Arcia, Arcia and Michael Harris, and you know Albies. guys who are are still good hitters. Yeah, like there's right. not a there's no break in that lineup. Sean and then Murphy when Murphy gets laid off, you get friggin' Darno, who also yeah. hits home runs. I was just gonna say that I was <laughs> like, so mad when we went. I was like, man, like I wanted to see Murphy play, and Darno gets up and hits two absolute <laughs> moon shots. I was like, okay, well, never mind. Yeah, that works it's, too. Yeah, nuts. That's um, crazy. So, yeah. Um, with the trade to the San Diego Padres, Rich Hill becomes number two um, all-time franchises played for with 13. So, Rich Hill has now played for 13 franchises. Um, <laughs> just crazy. I mean, to be able to still do it at the level that he's doing it at 41 or 42 um well yeah and when i saw the trade come across i went wait a second rich hill's still in the league where has he been yeah and i just i'm amazed that guy's still around but as we said he's he's still just good enough to be a fifth starter or flex guy on a major league team and he just continues to be valuable he eats up innings he doesn't get hurt usually and uh you you know guys like that keep jobs yeah it's it's all yeah he's an inning eater and with the Padres right now, there's not much Padres need other than that. So No, that team is so bad. Um, back to the Mets real quick. I forgot this. Uh, Brett Beatty was sent down mm. to AAA. He was optioned down to AAA. Um, he's hitting like 216. Um, his slash lines are not very good. Um, but so yeah. is the Mets. But you can't exactly option the entire team down to AAA. So um, yeah. there's that. And- and one thing too about I want to mention about Bobby Witt Jr. There's an article that came out today, um, kind of talking about him and 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 kind of his progression. But what's interesting is that for all the offensive stuff he's done, last year he was considered one of the worst defensive shortstops in baseball. Um, this year he's now one of baseball's best overall defenders uh, because he spent the offseason focusing on on footwork, glove work, and 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 defense. So as much as the kid continues to hit, 
he's actually become a really, really solid defender too. Um, and uh, I think that the minute that kid hits free agency, it'll be a feeding frenzy to go anywhere else. Which they knew coming up that like he had a plus arm, he had a plus bat. Um, yeah. And and you can teach fielding to a certain degree, right? I you mean, those, they're they're elite athletes. They're gonna be able to adjust. Look at Rafael Devers. I mean, he his fielding was atrocious. And is it still superstar defense? Like, no, but he's not costing you games. He's making decent yeah. to above average plays. Yeah, Rafi was can, a yeah, right. Rafi was a bad defender, and now he's an average, just slightly right. better than average defender. I mean, you can right. you can get better defensively. Right. Just I mean, Ron, Ron Ron Washington made has made a career as a Dude, defensive specialist coach. We're legit on the same <laughs> same wavelength. I'm like, just go spend a week with Ron Washington, and you'll already. Go I love watching the videos of him teach defense because, like, for him, it's like it's it's motion and rhythm, and yeah, and it's so much of it is it's just how you get ready. Did you see his uh, the fungo clip? Oh my goodness! Yeah. So these I got the screen about uh, in front of the first base bag, and Albies and Olsen are standing right like this. And someone's like right behind them, in between them, and Washington puts it up over the screen and right between the two heads, and it's caught. Like it's like, dude, like yeah. that's crazy. It's just Ron Washington is like a that. defensive coaching genius. It's awesome, but um, Josh Young for the Texas Rangers suffers a fractured thumb. This one hurts. He's had a great season for a rookie. Um, Definitely, possibly AL Rookie of the Year. Um, if I mean, who else would get it? Henderson, maybe. But I, I mean, he's put up some ridiculous numbers. But so this hurts. Um, I don't know what the timetable is on a fractured thumb, um, but I'm guessing six to eight weeks. And yeah, I was trying to look it up to see if there's any any indication, but there. I mean, you look it's at too early to tell. Let's just look at Altuve, right? Like, I mean, yes, it was a broken hand, but he was mid-May before he came back. So, yeah. um, uh, oh, the Rangers announced an hour ago they expect him to miss about six weeks. Six weeks. So, so you'll see him in the middle of September. Okay, so maybe he gets tuned up before the playoffs. Then, so yeah. that's so that's yeah, he's good news for the Rangers. He gets a couple of weeks to get ready to go, and they hit the playoffs. So that's. Barring worst case, yeah, barring setbacks. But. Yeah, yeah, right. Always barring setbacks. Um, Cole Hamill officially, officially, officially retires from Major League Baseball. <laughs> um, it's crazy we haven't talked about this kid at all, and then he's come up twice in this podcast. I know, but, um, <laughs> kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, Cole Hamill's was much must-watch TV there for a little bit in his prime. Like he was out on the mound and he was dealing, and he. Yeah pretty damn good pitcher yeah i mean uh, i i aside from randy johnson when i think of like lefties from our generation like i think of guys like cole hamels johan santana cliff you know, guys cliff lee like the guys and, and none of those guys except for randy johnson were hard throwers no i mean cole could bring it but he was a fastball changeup guy like his changeup was his bread and butter pitch just like santana's pitch was his changeup cliff lee was the curveball you know these yep. guys these guys they knew how to pitch. They, they didn't just come out there and throw gas like a lot of the guys today. They knew how to pitch. Right. They were still those like crafty lefties. Right. Yeah. And they would drive batters crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but absolutely. Used to love to watch. I mean, I remember when they went, made that World Series run. I mean, Cole Hamels was so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Yeah. That was the year Texas should have won. The Cardinals totally stole that from them bad. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, that's baseball. That's like it is. 
Um, it's like the Cleveland Indians in the nineties. They should have won at least once, if not multiple times. And they just couldn't get it done. Yeah. I mean, the Braves should have won more than one world series. Like (laughs) that team was just, yeah, the Braves were the early nineties, the Indians were the late nineties. Yeah. Um, this story hurts me to my core. This one Mm -hmm. absolutely kills me when I saw this. Um, Liam Hendricks will undergo Tommy John surgery. Won't return till 2025 dude just gets back from non hodgkin's lymphoma in june and gets put on the shelf for another year and a half with tommy john surgery just like shit man like come on it's just not right i mean the dude beats cancer comes back and a month later he's getting he's getting tommy john surgery and he's now out for a year and a half it's 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 crushing because of how hard he worked to come back and and what he did to beat the cancer like he did, but that's that I mean that's just a that's an absolute junk roll of the dice there. We're, as terrible as this might sound, this is his way out of the White Sox locker room. I mean, hey, maybe that's the bright side of this whole thing is that he can go take a year and a half, he can go take the next year off, get his arm right, make sure his body's right, and then get the hell out of Chicago and go somewhere else. Jesus Christ, man, terrible. But man, it's just that news. I saw that. I'm like, this is this has to be like a joke headline, right? Like it can't be legit. Yeah, that one hurt like so much. I was like, you've got to be kidding me, man. That's awful. That sucks. But yeah, so not to end it on a sad note, but uh, yeah, Harrison, do you have anything else to add tonight to maybe pick us up a little bit? I I just want to I just want to add real quick that. The suspensions did come down for Tim Anderson, and Jose Ramirez, and ironically enough, Tim Anderson got six games. Jose Ramirez got three, although Tim Anderson got knocked out. Um, there are a few other players that got some uh, had some uh, short suspensions in there too. You know, it is what it is. And then there was a um, there's an, an article that came out today from CBS. You know, kind of ranking the free agents. And uh, obviously, number one is Shohei Otani. But what I didn't realize is when you start to peek ahead at next year, your free agents, you've got Otani, you've got Matt Chapman's a free agent, Blake Snell, uh, Erod, Cody Bellinger, Julio Urias, Lucas Giolito, Aaron Nola, Sonny Gray, Heimer Candelario. You've got a there's a decent chunk of free agents coming next year. Um, so for the I think for those teams like the Red Sox and all that that are you know looking to looking to supplement. You got a pretty decent free agent class next year. That aren't other than Otani gonna demand top top dollar. Like those right. this, are. This past year was like the free agent bonanza of all the crazy contracts. Yep. Next year is gonna be a lot of solid players. They're gonna be looking for mid market contracts. Yep, absolutely. So it, nice, an interesting little peek ahead for those teams that are starting to think about it. Um, obviously, Shohei will be the big one, but you know, getting a guy like Matt Chapman or a guy like. Uh, Julio Urias or even Giolito, you know, there's inter- some interesting stuff there. And there's, and there's a belief that the angels are going to make a really hard push to keep Otani um, and potentially keep Giolito. Yeah. I, I won't be surprised if he stays in Anaheim. He's comfortable there. Yep. It's a small market team. There's not a lot of eyes on them. You think they have the two best players in baseball and nobody watches the angels. No, they're kind of I forgotten mean, about. And and honestly, like Anaheim, you want to talk about a place that's unremarkable? <laughs> I 
Yeah. Anaheim, California. Ain't exactly an exciting place. Other than Disneyland. Yeah. That does Anaheim is it's like the it's the redhead stepchild of the Bay Area and LA. Like it yeah. just exists. Yeah, it's right in between San Diego and LA, right? Yep. It's like yeah, it's right, right that little triangle. Yeah. Um and it's honestly it's flat and dull. Yep. Yeah, just like the Angels, they fit perfect. <laughs> so all right. Yeah. Anything else before we head out? No, we're uh, we're good. I think for those of you who are uh, looking for other stuff to watch, check out ESPN. A lot of that little league stuff is cranking up. Um, yeah, that's it's always fun as hell to watch the little league World Series and the, the regionals the, and all that. The team for Maine is one win away from Williamsport. They are f- playing fantastic. Yeah, so and then even awesome. even on the girls' side, you had two teams from Maine that were actually down in the super regionals and. Um, yeah, it was good, but it, yeah, you got you got all the little league stuff is cranking up. So there's yeah, a, there's so been cool. some cra- there's a kid from Massachusetts who had a ball over the friggin' trees behind the fence, and uh, as he's jogging around the plate around the bases from uh, the opposing team is like fist bumping him because it was hit so far. <laughs> yeah, it's like damn dude, that was a <laughs> Fr- thing. Freaking amazing. Yeah. Uh, all right. So oh, before before we go, this is pretty exciting for us. Next Monday, oh yeah, marks show one hundred for us, which is crazy to think about. Um, is our one hundredth show next Monday? So let's start um, a podcast during a lockout. Okay, yeah, yeah let's do it. And it's Here we lasted, are. It's lasted a hundred episodes, man. I can't. So I'm gonna brainstorm with you after and see if we want to do anything like kind of special for it. But um, I think it'd be it's gonna be awesome. I can't believe it. yep. it's been a hundred. So. Um, but anyways, so we'll get all to the, the mushy gushy stuff next week. Um, thanking everybody for support and stuff, but thanks for watching tonight and chipping in onto the conversation. Please like subscribe, share our podcast, listen on Spotify, Apple podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will see you next Monday at 8 PM for our 100th show. (laughs) See everybody. See you guys.